Welcome back to the very last episode of our Summer Stories series. And guys, this is a good one. But just before I introduce our guests for today, I want to just highlight that the Freedom Cafe is back this year. If you attended last year, you know that it was just a fantastic time of learning together about human trafficking, what it looks like in our area, and how we can support um, organizations that are already working and, and maybe what part we can play personally. And we are doing it again this year October 21st and tickets are going to be on sale any day you can find them on our website wildgingercoffee.com or through our Instagram Um, we have some amazing speakers lined up um, and some really fun surprises it's bigger and better a little bit longer than last year Um, but we know that you're really going to enjoy it and there are limited seating um There is limited seating available, so you're going to want to get your tickets as quickly as you can. Um, Now, on to our conversation for today. We have Debbie, uh, who is a mentor to Deanna. Um, Debbie and her husband have been involved in vocational ministry for over 40 years. She is such a kind and gentle and beautiful soul, and she walked with Deanna during her walk to freedom out of the porn industry and into her life now, and they are still really good friends and we have them both on the episode today. This episode is a little bit longer than normal, but I promise you it is worth it. Their relationship is a beautiful example of why community matters so much, and we talk all about it with them both on this episode, so prepare yourself. This is a really good one. I'm not going to take up any more time because they've got so many good things to say, so let's listen. Well, Dana and Debbie, welcome to the Wild and Free podcast. Um, Debbie, this is your very first time on the show, and I'm very excited yes. that you're here. Um, Deanna, you are now a familiar voice. So that's exciting. And just, yeah, exactly. You're like old news. Just kidding. We love you. I'm really glad you came back again. So it mustn't have been so bad the first time. Um yeah, so just for our listeners, if you if you guys have not heard Deanna's story or you're like, who's Deanna? Please go back one episode. Just pause this one. Go back. Give it a listen because it's going to give you a lot of context for our conversation today for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really excited to have you both on the podcast. And I'm going to start by having you both introduce yourselves partly so we get to know you and partly so our listeners know whose voice is whose. <laughs> okay, I, my name is Debbie Bro. And uh, my husband and I have been involved in ministry, well, vocational ministry, I should say, over 40 years. And uh, right now, my husband is semi-retired. And uh, (laughs) Anna's shaking her head. (laughs) He preaches 48 weeks a year. (laughs) I want a different definition of retired when I retire. I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, he loves what he does he loves to preach and teach god's word and Mm. uh, so he gets to do that at like six or seven churches around the country but he is home during the week and uh so that's uh that's a new new thing for us and we really enjoy this season and uh yeah we have 10 grandkids and uh I love this season of life, uh, just investing and in, uh, in their lives. And uh, I, I, I'm 
really in a good season of life right now. So, yep, just love what what we're doing. That's beautiful. Do you get do you go with him on weekends ever to all these different places yeah, that he I, I don't know how far he's traveling, but <laughs> I do sometimes. So okay. uh we we just moved back to Kentucky. We were in California for a long time. Okay. At a church that my daughter and uh son-in-law and a team of six actually that's actually where I met Deanna. Uh but it was a church plant 12 years ago. So we moved wow. there to be able to help and we we love that season as well. I think we've loved every season, but uh, some seasons were harder than others. But uh, yes, Mission Church in Ventura, California. And it just was uh, and is just such a beautiful place in our hearts. So anyway, we got to be involved in that church plant. So I love to stay back then. I do go with him when they ask me to, and they'll do a marriage seminar or they'll interview us or whatever. Yeah. And I'd love to go there too. That's really fun. Thank you. And Deanna. Uh, old timer on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. author of two books, Purchase Leaving the Sex Trade, Integrated uh, Living Beyond the Sex Trade. I am a mom of twin three-year-old girls now. And uh, a wife of my husband that I met in seminary and who works um, as a chaplain at the hospital and dog owner of my 75 pound muppets. <laughs> Just basically human size. <laughs> so big. Smaller than me. <laughs> That's amazing. And you alluded to it a little bit, Debbie, but how did the two of you meet? Let's just take it right back. You were talking about the church plant. Yeah, you guys uh, connect. That's where our story starts. <laughs> right. It was at 12 or 13 years ago. I know Mission is 12 years old. So it was uh, summer of 2011. Summer of 2011. Wow. So Mission Church um, and uh, one of the gals on staff, uh, Deanna New, Jen Oaks, and uh, you can correct me if I get any of this wrong, but we started having <laughs> lunches uh, together when I'd come in town. And uh, that's how I got to know Deanna. And I had mentioned Refuge for Women uh, several times, and she always thought it was a good idea for somebody else. <laughs> um, but every time I met with her, I knew that there that she needed a she needed a place to go to rest, mm. and heal. And uh, so that's how we met. And. One day I was in my living room and she she called in desperation mm. uh, and said she was ready to come. So that's mm. where the story started. Right. And so you had been mentoring with um, at Refuge for Women for a while before this point. So you're pretty familiar with yes. the organization. Yes. Okay. Yes. And Deanna, you had been out of the industry. You Were you out of the industry at this point? Or like, yeah. where were you in that was, part of your story to situate us? <laughs> yeah, I was about a year and a half out of the industry. Okay. I was still engaged to um, one of the second largest um, porn distributors in the United States. And so I wasn't, it wasn't like a clean break from the industry. I was still very much um, reaping the results of that. And instead of going to refuge, when Debbie met me, I was actually training to be a professional fighter. 
So I thought, I thought that was my solution. Like I was in so much pain. I thought like, I am just going to learn. It was, it was something called, um, Savat. It was French kickboxing. And, um, and it was just like learning how to channel, like just all of my feelings and emotions and command my body and just, um, mm -hmm. but I kind of used it honestly to uh, abuse myself a little bit. Um, because then, you know, if I felt physical pain, I didn't have to feel like the internal pain. And so, so mm. Debbie would make fun of me because I'm all broke down. I'm eating my spinach and she's like, that's not real food. I'm like, it's quite the opposite, Debbie. She didn't I'm with this Debbie. Is, this is real food. I'm like, it's green. It's colorful. It's not loaded with bacon grease. Um, but, but, you know, I came out here and she taught me how to eat. So it's you like, take that spinach and put it in with like some cheese and something make like a spinach yeah. dip. Like I'm here, <laughs> I'm here for that with like the pita chips. Is it still nothing cooked on your plate? It's nothing dead. <laughs> nothing dead. Like we drink our meals out here, Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> now in all fairness, her daughter-in-law moved to California and I swear within one week, she's like, Hey, how much are those Arbonne protein shakes? I was like, see, yeah, <laughs> see, Nobody has time to eat a whole meal. <laughs> Not in California. That's fair. That's fair. Man, it's, it's super interesting. I love hearing how people's paths intersect and cross. And I think it, we tend to hear people's stories and we think things, we hear them in a very linear, like, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And we don't really get a sense for the time in between and the, the days and the hours and the minutes that mm -hmm. pass between interactions or and I think that um you guys ended up in a mentoring relationship then which you obviously had some kind of relationship before that and I'm curious what that felt like what your initial thoughts kind of for both of you about entering into a mentoring kind of relationship from having sort of known who each other you know who each other was and then now you enter into the program Dana and and you, Debbie, become her mentor. Like, what were, I don't know, what were the thoughts and feelings around that? I, I Or did it just happen really organically? I'm just really curious. <laughs> well, I mean, it was nice because I just left my entire life in California behind that I had mm. been working towards for 10 years. And so to have a familiar face on the other side of the country, um, mm. You know, she was allowed to meet with me at least once a week. She was already teaching a class to the girls. Um, I was very willing to share her. I like to share good things in my life. So I wasn't like possessive. If I saw other girls needed a mentor, I was like, you can borrow mine. <laughs> wow. um, but the, the other cool thing is, is she she was about sharing too, because, you know, with her traveling back and forth from California to Kentucky, um, her sister-in-law stepped in. So she shared her sister-in-law. She shared mm -hmm. her mom. And so I got like this whole family to help keep mm -hmm spurring me on in the right direction. And I think that was like a big part of my saving grace. I really can't imagine what my healing would have looked like if I didn't have those relationships that kept me mm -hmm. grounded and pointed towards the prize. You yeah. signed up for a mentor and you got a family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's exactly the way I feel like God wants it. You know, there's yeah. one of my favorite verses and I use this all the time when, when we talk is uh, Psalm 68, six. Uh, where God sets lonely people in family. And uh, it just is so important. And not just, you know, she she needed a uh, familiar face, but she needed familiar faces. 
Mm. And, you know, that's that's what we began to do is kind of build the village mm. so that she could have other people in her life. Uh, I remember your sponsor. I don't know when Stephanie came along mm -hmm. in the this that first year. Yeah, that mm -hmm. first year. But, you know, Stephanie knew about addiction and all the things that mm. that I didn't know about. I mean, I'd read about and I'd been trained in codependency and all of that. But I would always point to Stephanie, you know, for certain things mm -hmm. that was just out of my realm. of. <laughs> and so anyway, we we began to build the village. And I think Deanna can tell you how important that is just to mm -hmm. have a loving family, the family of God around you. Mm -hmm. Like you said, just it's not just one you not just one person. You didn't need just a person to come alongside you, Deanna. You needed a whole village, yeah. and and that and and that's kind of what I want to focus on us chatting about today. Is a lot of that. So how do we how do we do that? You know, how do we build that? Because I think for a lot of people, even being a mentor is intimidating. In general, let alone to someone who's coming with complex trauma or and we, we don't we feel out of our wheelhouse, you know, and um, I, I don't think I warned you about this. I don't know if this was one of the questions that I had before, but I have it now. Um, <laughs> Debbie, like what? How were you? How did you feel e equipped to be a mentor in this capacity? And I'm sure, like you said, you had some training and or, you know, what does it look like for people to get to a point where they're able to do that and and know how to bring people into you know when is it out of your wheelhouse when is it within your realm how do you how do you know where do you, where do people start yeah well and can i just make one yeah. comment debbie comes with a village so yeah. that's <laughs> the cool thing about her is, mm -hmm. you know i went from like not having any grandparents and you know like i didn't have any extended family and and like nobody was really present in our lives to so all of a sudden like mm. like i went i would go to her house and there's like 18 people in these family <laughs> pictures every year and like i would tape a picture of myself in there just to, just to see what it would look like um and, and to see if they would notice but yeah <laughs> the answer to to that question for me personally is that i did feel ill-equipped and I felt like that was the way God wanted me to feel so that I would depend on him. Um, and so, you know, there were some practical things for sure that I needed to know about codependency and, mm -hmm. and those things. But one of the things that Deanna says all the time, because, you know, we've talked about the savior complex a lot, but mm -hmm. she's, you know, we're, we're, we're not to be anybody's savior, but we can savor you know, our world, we can, you know, be the light. And so I feel like that's what God called us to was to be, you know, a light in, in her darkness. Mm -hmm. And that was just to live our ordinary lives yeah. to show her how you, you know, get along and how you <laughs> argue and how you forgive each other <laughs> and how you say you're sorry, mm -hmm. you know, to just, uh, to be a light in this dark world was what God was calling because she needed to see that she needed mm -hmm. to, she needed the experience of that. And so then the refuge as well, you know, they, they, they had volunteers that just had a heart to love other people. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so that was part of the village too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was just so reassuring to me that when, that when I, you know, left, 
the refuge or whatever that I knew that she had other influences yeah. and people speaking into her life. And yeah, like, it wasn't all on you. Right. Yeah. And that that's the beauty of it too, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. I would not be, I, I, I couldn't have done that. And God knew I couldn't have done that. And God would have been jealous of that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we were all in her village pointers. We pointed to yeah. him because yeah. we knew he was the only one that had the power to transform a life. And uh, and hopefully we were good pointers. <laughs> Seems <yeah>. like it. <laughs> yeah, nodding. Yeah, and I wonder, like, just what you said at the beginning of that, Deanna, um, and and just while you're while you're talking about that, is that maybe that that starting point even for for all of us or for anyone who is like, yeah, like I want to be that light in someone's life. It doesn't even have to be. A survivor of exploitation it can be anyone you know who's struggling is that you actually have to you got to come with a village like you can't invite somebody into something that you don't already have so that's how do you how do we how do i make sure that i'm well connected as a person you know that i am fighting and you know fight that i have people that i'm fighting with and that i'm asking for forgiveness and that i'm doing living my life really like authentically and than just inviting people into that. Like that's kind of what it sounds like the overview of, of how that ended up working was just like, here's me living my very real life. And I'm not, I'm not hiding, I'm not pretending that it's perfect. I'm not, you know, with my big shiny, happy family faces around the table when you're here. And then as soon as you walk out the door, like, you know, it all hits the fan. It's mm -hmm. like, no, how do you learn to have, like, this is just what relationships are and inviting people into that. I think is is really beautiful but like you said debbie like there are things that are really helpful to learn like codependency <laughs> and what that means and what that looks like because you can end up in really like horrible situations as well if you you know aren't self-aware and don't know those things and there's something debbie actually that you wrote in i believe it was the afterword of um deanna's second book and you were talking about boundaries and i'm gonna read it because it's beautiful and I want to talk about this a little bit because I think this is where a lot of us struggle even just in our regular relationships quite honestly we can't even figure it out just in our day-to-day -day. and then we want to you know work with with the vulnerable not like we're not vulnerable but we think we're going to go do that and we don't even know how to do this in our families and um yeah so what you said is true healthy and healing love must have boundaries just as with parenting our children, we cannot oblige every impulse or want that comes up. We cannot drop everything each time they are hurt, but we can point people to God who is always present and ready to equip us with everything we need. In my journey of mentoring at Refuge, I sometimes struggled with saying no because the women I did life with had already lost so much, but the no was purposeful for actual success in life helpful for learning patience, self-control, limits, and how to sit with disappointment and discomfort. Discernment is key as to how much and when to step into someone's life. Developing discernment humbles us so that we don't rush in every time and instead teaches us to allow God and others to work in their lives. And I have that like bolded and underlined <laughs> last part. So like what did creating boundaries look like for both of you? in this process, like very practically. I, it, I'll just kind of piggyback off of that. Mm -hmm. uh, what discernment and wisdom uh, looks like for me every day. And um, 
and I think God in his genius, you know, plans it this way is mm -hmm. that we, we need to be connected to him every second of the day, you know, mm -hmm. that not just in our Bible study, you know, <laughs> in the morning or in our quiet time, but as we go through the day that we have that connection to him, um, this beautiful supernatural connection where we listen to his voice, you know, where it says, you know, my sheep know my voice and they listen mm -hmm. to me. So that's, that's not just in the morning, that's every second of the day. And, and so when it comes to discernment, you know, those little whispers of God help me to know, you know, what's the best thing right now. And mm -hmm. do I need to step back? Do I need to back, buy that vacuum cleaner? One time we I knew went, you were going to bring up the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> She went Ready. shopping and she wanted this vacuum cleaner because the one at the refuge wasn't good enough. <laughs> I wanted my own handheld vacuum because I had finally gotten my own room and it was my own tiny little space. And it was the only thing I had in life that I wanted to steward. And How do you say no to that? How do you say no to that? <laughs> and Debbie's over here teaching me about impulse control. And I just left the store and she'd never seen somebody blow up and stomp out like that over a vacuum over yeah. a, i was yeah. like debbie it was more than a vacuum it was like i had like a five inch square piece to steward in my life like i was finally like coming somewhere in the world <laughs> so because you didn't buy the vacuum we didn't buy the vacuum you know, those, there's so many things that you can't even script that you just have to, you know, listen to God. And if you've heard him wrong, then you go back and you apologize, yeah. you know. Um, one of the things I felt like I got wrong at the beginning was I would go in and I would teach a class and it was uh, freedom principles. And um, I just wanted them so bad to be free, you know, free. Mm -hmm. And, and so I would, I did this little illustration where I, I would bring in a jar of black coffee and then I had a pitcher, a clear pitcher of water, and I would pour the water into the black coffee jar until it got, you know, it went from black to light, you know, brown. And then eventually it would be clear. And I would say, you know, pouring God's principles into, you know, our darkness, the darkness and the broken places in our life, you know, eventually it just becomes clear and you know some of the girls eyes would be glazed over and and <laughs> and I, I left one day and and it was like god said to me debbie what if their coffee cup their coffee jar is turned upside down you know mm. and you're just pouring the principles and it's just you know splashing off the bottom mm. of the jar <laughs> And in that moment, God taught me that more than principles was they needed to grasp his love. Mm -hmm. And love was what was going to turn the jar right side up. Mm -hmm. So then we could pour the principles in. But until they knew this, this lavish love of their father, you know, they, they weren't going to care about principles. They needed to know that they mm -hmm. were uh, just lavishly loved by the one who who mattered the most. And so that, that taught me a lot. That taught me a lot about living from a place of a grateful heart. Like, mm. so their response would be not just to follow these rules <laughs> or not to implement these freedom <laughs> things, but they would live out of a grateful heart for what God has already done for them and that he mm -hmm. never, ever stopped loving them. Mm -hmm. 
he would teach me little things. Yeah. You know, he would teach me as he was teaching them. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's that's it, right? It's not it's not here I come with all the answers yes. to help you. It's like here I am trying to also figure out my life. <laughs> Let on, me walk beside you, kind of thing, and be humble enough to know that I haven't. I'm on the same journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I always tell Deanna this that before I went to volunteer at the refuge, I just mm -hmm. couldn't believe that God was calling me to to volunteer because I said, God, I haven't walked in their shoes. Don't won't you use somebody that's already been there? And um, he said, this is what he said to me <laughs> uh, or impressed upon me was, Debbie, if you believe that you need God's grace as much as they do or more, mm -hmm. then you can go. That's what they need. Yeah. It's somebody who knows that they need God's grace as, as much as as the girls. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I believe that with all my heart, even more. If there was a sin being raised in, you know, the Christian world that you know, for me was self-righteousness that I have repented of on my knees almost every day uh, <laughs> because I feel like that's the worst sin. <laughs> Although Jesus doesn't categorize mm. sins, but I feel like, you know, mm. it, there was a day when I was, you know, I struggled with self-righteousness and I think Jesus just hated that sin. So mm. I knew going in that I needed grace as much or as more as mm. every girl. That's beautiful. And like, what does that do, you know, to your experience and your heart, Deanna, like as you're walking into that relationship and sometimes there's, and sometimes it's no to a vacuum cleaner and sometimes, but also seeing like over time, oh, this person also is like willing to own their, their, their side of things. And they don't feel like they're better than me, or it's not just no for the sake of saying no to try to, you know, what, yeah, I'm curious what the kind of the boundaries from from your perspective then, if maybe just speak to that a little bit of coming out of an industry where there are no boundaries to trying to learn boundaries. Yeah, um, I think Debbie hit it on the head with the, with the grasping the love thing because, you know, it would have been easier for me to follow a set of rules um, because it would have felt safe to me. Like these are the things that are going to keep me away from ever going down that path again. And right. so it would be easy for me to fall into legalism. It would be, and not for, not for the sake of earning any goodness, mm -hmm. but just to keep me away and keep the, my loved ones away from everything that I've ever been burned by before. But that wasn't mm -hmm. living. That wasn't freedom mm -hmm. for me. And, and Holy Spirit has had a much different relationship in my life. Um, but I think one of the most impactful boundaries, but also painful ones for me is, you know, like um, sometimes I get to this point where I boil over and I just like kind of throw it all at Debbie and she will just take space. And mm -hmm. for, you know, like, um, and I remember being at 
um, I used to live in an apartment above hers. It's really hard to hide any defects of character when you invite somebody to live with you. And so for two years, Ooh, I had yeah. experienced that this family actually is happy. And it's not that they don't have, you know, like everyday struggles, but they're just genuinely content and peaceful and joyful. And they like hanging out with each other. So mm. I've got to say, they really raised the standard on the relationships I wanted to have in my life because, you know, everybody talks about these like happy church going people. And I'm like, these, this is a joyful people. Mm. And, um, and that's what I wanted. And so I, I raised my standards really high, but I remember being at, at her house and, um, and I was studying, you know, Beth Moore's uh, Daniel study, and she was talking about how sometimes God removes our resident strong one so that he can become the strong one. And so I always remember that um, anytime she's like, I'm, you know, I'm not just going to throw an answer at you. I'm not just going to come in and fix this for you. Um, and, I, and I really needed somebody to because it was very painful. <laughs> Um, but she let me sit with it and she would always tell me like, I trust your process with God. And that oh, was so validating wow. to me because she knew yeah. that I would turn to him. Um, mm. as painful as it was, she knew that I would turn to him and it's scary and it's dark at like mm -hmm. how, how fast my head can get to a dark place and not hear mm -hmm. the truth. And I'm like screaming for help, but she knows that I, I only have one like lifesaver and um and so that's mm. kind of me throughout the years and and you know being in relationship with her has been like i've learned how to have family because it was never about like her being an authority or mm. you know, I know better than you and that's not how i want to parent you know mm -hmm. um, or like i'm gonna walk alongside you and help cultivate the things that god's already created in you mm -hmm. And she just shared her life with me. And that's what I get to do for my children. Like, yes, there's boundaries, but it's not for the sake of like, because I told you so. Mm -hmm. it's, I love you and I want good things for you. And I want to help yeah. you to come to that conclusion on your own to choose those good things that are going to keep you free in life. Mm -hmm. It's like the trying to find that difference or to recognize, because sometimes it's more of a heart attitude, like the, the actual thing we set in place will look the same but it could be either a boundary or a wall yeah. that we're building and it i know for myself it can be hard sometimes until i'm looking backwards and be like oh that was i thought that was a boundary but that was for sure a wall because yeah. that was just i was like i'm i'm done here so i'm like yeah. making a boundary it's like you didn't make a boundary that didn't help anyone <laughs> in that scenario <laughs> like boundaries should be mutually beneficial even if it doesn't feel yes. that way at the onset right and and build so I think relationships not keep relationships not sever them. <laughs> yeah debbie yeah. has to teach us a lot like please stop putting boundaries around your boundaries now, there yeah. things, you know like like purity like i really wanted a new way of doing intimacy so i did have guardrails around my boundaries yeah. um just to help me get to a place where i could experience true intimacy yeah. but um but there's a lot of times where yeah she's had to guide you know, guide us and and how to have boundaries that are changeable. You know, as mm -hmm. um, as we grow, we don't need to expect certain things from other people, yeah. and so we can enter back into a relationship in a healthy way, not having to tell everybody what our boundaries are, but simply yeah. live according to them. Yeah. And that's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, like not this like rigid like rigidity yeah. to it. You know, there's yeah. like a. We can revisit right. this. This isn't whereas a wall is like a, right. this is going to be here, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, 
for a long time. This this isn't moving, you know, based on how how the relationship progresses or what healing takes place or whatever. <clears throat> this wall is permanent where a boundary is like, this is here for a season <laughs> to help. And then, you know, maybe we adjust that over time. And I think that is a really helpful thing. I mean, for anyone who has a relationship of any capacity with any other human being. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> like we really need to I just feel like we really need to figure that out because I think something that it is something that hinders us from being able to allow people in into our lives is that I think we worry that we're we're gonna end up with our our boundaries or walls, whatever they are, being yeah. completely annihilated and we burn out and we all kinds of things happen um and i'm i'm sure almost anyone and probably all of our listeners too would have a scenario or two where something like that has happened where either they have had their boundaries kind of blown over or they have walked over somebody else's boundaries and didn't know what to do or built walls when that should have been a boundary um she often says or has said you know about boundaries is she was learning how to relate to people you mm-hmm. know you didn't know how to relate to people so sometimes boundaries were very safe for her at the beginning mm-hmm. and as she matured then we could have those relationships like you know you it's okay to let that person back in again or whatever now i will say that the the one thing that i i, I feel and i don't Deanna can speak more to this about boundaries was her boundaries around not dating mm-hmm. for what'd you say mm-hmm. three years mm-hmm. um, that was such a good boundary that she needed in her life because I think that a lot a lot goes out the window when girls mm-hmm. allow another mm-hmm. man in their life too soon before yeah. they're they're maturing and and so much goes out the window then because they haven't yet learned how to have a healthy relationship with a man mm-hmm. yet and to to recognize all the red flags or whatever it is so mm-hmm. there was a very maybe even a wall around yeah. men yeah. for the first i would say you didn't date for three years i three believe years. it was mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she was concentrating on her healing and men just they mess it up until it's a distraction <laughs> really honestly like it's super distracting <laughs> until they're mature enough to know who they're looking for you know right yeah and so that you yeah you know enough to be like what are the what are the things I actually want in this relationship and how do i you know again not have to announce my boundaries but just live and ex- basically accept the kind of love that i actually deserve instead of Yes. You know, yeah. just taking whatever is coming <laughs> right. as it comes because it's filling something well inside, it's, right? It's or numbing some or it's just it's doing something. Yeah. That there's, maybe there's other a, things. There's <laughs> a quote that I often quoted to Deanna that if I can remember it, it's no love of the human heart is safe unless it's been filled up with God's love first. Hmm. And because we are desperate for attention. that love you know Mm -hmm. until god you know we really can just put our roots down deep into his love and then Mm -hmm. we can say no you're you're not the right one for me (laughs) you know and we can we can you know we can just put away the attention and whatever it gives us that's so Mm -hmm. thrilling uh we can make discernment we can 
can make a wise choice to say no uh you're not the right one for me yeah but uh yeah that's a that that was a good boundary that she had mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well andy stanley also said um become the person the person you're looking for is looking for and um you know one of the things that my sponsor like continues to remind me of is we teach people how to treat us and so when I'm like, when I'm attracting like some really creepy dudes in my life, like I know like that, that's me, you know? Mm. And so as I matured, all of a sudden I started realizing people aren't making those comments to me anymore. I mean, you'll get the random strange yeah. comments to you. <laughs> um, and you know, you just, you just feel bad and move on. Um, but for the most part, a lot of those comments, the things that like we used to think was comp were compliments and now are just gross to me. Yeah. Uh, like I, like that doesn't come in my life anymore because I carry a different presence with me. I carry a different demeanor. I don't, I'm not like oozing like pheromones that are like seeking. And I, I wanted a mate. I wanted a husband. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was not embarrassed to pray for that. Um, uh, I was not embarrassed to look for that. Um, but I, but I was really focused on making sure that I was becoming the person that the kind of person I wanted to attract would be attracted yeah. to. And mm -hmm. that was really important. That took time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why having some of those boundaries to have the time to yeah. figure out what, who am I becoming? Like, who am I actually? And what am I actually looking for? And, and, and like, what is God calling me into? And what, like, cause it just, yeah. Like relationships can be so distracting yeah. <laughs> from yeah. that, you know? And once you're in it, it's like, when yeah. I started dating Matt, we, um, we fasted from each other on Mondays because we went to school together. So we saw each other right. often. So it would be easy to become entangled really fast. And so on Mondays, we like I had my phone off on Mondays and we didn't see each other or talk to each other on Mondays. And I made sure that everything else in my life was still in order. Like, are my grades still good? Is my job still good? You know, all of that stuff. And we did that. And so when we got when we moved into I think we did that even through engagement, maybe. Um, and so when we moved in together, we're like, what do we do on Mondays? Yeah. <laughs> we gotta talk to each other seven days a week now yeah. um but but we did that because i knew how sidetracked i could become over a man and so i just wanted to make sure that i was still walking the path that god wanted me to walk um and then i just happened to have this person walking in the same direction with me mm -hmm. i think that's so wise and i think too doing that in all of that again in community with this family that you got set into yeah you know like how much better is that too to like i think so often we're we're making our boundaries and building our walls in isolation without yeah. any input from our community or people that are older and smarter and wiser and maybe see things in us that we don't see right where who can call us out on like i think you maybe you need a boundary there or i think maybe you built a wall and you're snot <laughs> right. you know like where so important it's important yeah. for both voices like it's it was important for me to have a few people in my life who could call me out not co-sign mm -hmm. my bs do it in loving <laughs> gentle ways most of the time sometimes i've had to just be called out um mm -hmm. i've seen debbie get angry once um <laughs> and 
Um, but it was, it was worth it. I also had to learn that like, not every one of my friends wants me to be that person in their life. And I've lost mm. friends over that, mm. but you know, being a health professional where I hold people accountable, being in recovery, where we hold each other accountable <laughs> and then how much it meant to me, it took me a while to learn that some people just want a friend. Yeah. You know? And then, <laughs> like, I'm here to call yeah. everyone out. Like, I'm yeah. on a roll. I'm like I, you know, I'm out there pulling specs left and right. And, um, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was like, like people didn't want to be my friend anymore. And I'm like, I don't understand why I keep losing these people. Um, because it was so loving for me and it was so necessary for me. And finally I realized mm -hmm. like I have a handful of people that is important that they can call that stuff out right. and everybody else i just kind of want to walk with and i just need them to trust that god's active in my life and that mm -hmm. stuff's gonna fall away as long as i'm not like you know yeah. burning away with like some gross immoral sin you know just let yeah. me work it out with god and, and just stay being yeah. your friend yeah. and i always just think like how much more i don't know if impactful is really the word i'm looking for but for lack of a better word but how much more impactful like sure I can maybe tell you something that I think that even if it's true, I could tell you something, but how much more impactful if the Lord says that directly to you? Right. Like how much more is that going to stick when a lot it's faster? Like he's fast. I'm like, I don't have oh. to bring that up. I'll just go to God. And the next day I'm like, Oh, those are some cool changes you're making. That's in your awesome life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's well, like the craziest you, like, thing. You're in a, you're in a scare. I feel like I would be in a scary place the second I stop letting those voices in mm. that, that would be a scary mm -hmm. place for me to be in mm. when I start um, being the one to hold myself accountable. Not that like, I don't have my own moral compass and my own relationship with God, but when I start becoming the authority in my own life, right. I don't know. I just feel like that could bring me to some scary places. Yeah. The, the, same, same for me, you know, if I don't have those people in my life too, I you, call know. Her out. <laughs> you know what though? Yeah. Like talk about that, right? Like it isn't like, that's kind of, I think how you avoid that ending up with a weird power dynamic of, who's helping who like a lot of quotation marks around all those words because none of them are helpful you know it's like am i like yeah am i willing to be called out in as much as i am willing to call out and and is it that mutual like the people you're calling out do you have that mutual relationship where you also would allow them to speak something into yeah. your life where you would seriously consider what they're what they're yeah. saying and, take and usually it. it's just a handful of very close friends who you know love yeah. you with all their heart you know yeah yeah and then there's the prayer search me oh god and mm -hmm. see if there's any wicked way in me and mm -hmm. you know so so just having that awareness that you know we're all on this broken road together and mm -hmm. we all help from what from each other and yeah. the day that we don't need help is the day that you know pride has taken over mm -hmm. and that, that's a sad day so we we you know we want to stay humble in the in in the respect that we know that we need help from each other mm -hmm. and need encouragement from each other we need to fan into flame you know all the mm -hmm. gifts for each other we just we just need each other all all the one another phrases in the bible we need each other but more yeah. than each other we need him and mm -hmm. he he is the one that uh changes lives he's the one that never leaves you know mm -hmm. or forsakes us he's he's the the rock and mm -hmm. uh, 
and grateful for the people he gives us, but it's no substitute for him. No. Yeah. And that's, I think we're having, yeah. When you're, when you're talking about boundaries and you're putting these boundaries and like you had said, like when you get it wrong, where you're like, I think the Lord actually told me to do something and I didn't do it, or he didn't tell me to do that. And I went and did it. And to go back and own that, I think is, that is what keeps us humble. And I wanted to be clear, like, um, you know, when I say like, like calling people out, like I'm not over here taking Debbie's moral inventory or anything, but what I love about our relationship is that we continue to have discussions. We have discussions around things that we're learning. Like we're constantly learning, like, what are you getting when you read this? Or, you know, I have this new relationship, you know, um, and, and we learn from each other. So accountability doesn't like in all relationships doesn't necessarily look like I'm taking someone's moral inventory of like, you need to yeah. fix this in your life. It's just, it's just learning together and growing together and mm -hmm. sharpening one another. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's been a really beautiful part of our relationship and something that I have found enjoyable. in most of my relationships is, is getting to that mutuality, um, mm -hmm. You know, because one thing that's really hard for for women with my background is that um, if a lot of relationships are transactional and a lot of relationships like either they were take, take, taking from us or we were take, take, taking from them. And, you know, I have friends that like I walk with and, you know, um, they like they'll reach out um, only when they need something. And so I'll have to ask like, hey you know, when you're sending out this, you know, this invitation to people, are you actually like involved in the rest of their lives? Or is mm -hmm. it just when we need money, a gift or something like that? That's really important. Um, and so just learning myself and teaching others how to have mutuality in relationships where it's like, you know, you you're there for them, they're there for you. And like, together, you have this interdependent relationship that's you know, yeah. mature and beautiful. Um, but I know a lot of people think like accountability is just, you know, like calling out each other's sins and that's just yeah, not what it looks like. No. It's just growing together. Yeah. No, it's almost more like a, like kind of calling each other up, right? Like it's not yeah, even like right. a, it's this like, yeah. Hey, like I actually see, you know, and, and, and I think like just a, like an honesty and like not, there's a way to, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm also not going to leave. So like, I might come to you and be like, Hey, I am genuinely concerned about mm -hmm. an area of your life, mm -hmm. but what you do with that area of your life is not going to cause me to like, I'm not going anywhere. Right. I'm just being, you know, and I think that's usually what happens is when we think of like the call out culture we kind of live in is like, we're yeah. calling people out to then build a wall to keep them out. And now like you can no longer sit next to me yeah. because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, whoo, what we really need is people to, yes, you know, call us out, call us up and stay. You can still sit next to me. It's just that I love you. And I, I don't love seeing this or like, this is breaking my heart right now. Or, you know, what's yeah. going on for you in this area of your life? Like, don't, in fact, don't tell everybody everything, but somebody has to know everything. Like there has to be this level of, you know, vulnerability and honesty in not all of the relationships that you have, because that's a whole right. other um, yeah. <laughs> drama I've response had, that's I've unhelpful. Had, <laughs> right. I've had people who are like, um, they've told me that I'm guarded and I'm like, I, I can see why you think that I don't mm -hmm. let everybody into every single area of my life because for a long time, I thought that's what transparency was. 
Now it's Same it's girl. more of like how what did you get your thought back? No, I was just, I was just, um, I said same girl, like I, I exactly yeah. the same. I thought transparency was, yeah, it's just telling like tell everybody everything. everything. It's like, disastrous. Yeah. Yes. But really trans <laughs> transparency is actually doing life for a significant period of time and letting mm. people see who you are and not just what your story was. Yeah. Um, and, and that okay. takes time and mutuality and investment and, to see, to be seen and be, uh, and to see others. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, the only way to, to get better, so to speak at these kinds of things is to just be in relationship with people right. and try and get it wrong sometimes and then yeah. make it right and do it again. Yeah. And you it's actually talk wrong. about it. I know. <laughs> It's <laughs> the worst. Can't there be a better way? But you talk about it in your book, actually, Deanna, yeah. where you had a, a relationship um, with one of the, I believe it was one of the volunteers at, yeah. at Refuge that didn't end well. And it was, um, but you like kind of as a part of that, you also said that you were really glad that you just kept going and trying again, yeah. that you didn't let that one like, and I don't want to call it a failed relationship because it's just a learning, it's just a learning thing. But yeah. that one thing could have been and probably was very discouraging. And I'm like, how do we find the courage? Well, that's that's what I I just for Deanna, I just saw her go through a lot of pain, you know, trying to uh figure all this stuff out. And what I so admired about her was that she didn't let it put her to bed. You know, she just mm -hmm. get up every morning. It's a new day <laughs> and I can live with pain. I can yeah. live with, mm -hmm. with discomfort. You know, mm -hmm. she was strong and courageous that way. And I just applauded her so much in that because, you know, being in ministry, you have, you have these things too, where can I trust that person? I don't know if I yeah. can trust that person. And maybe I can trust this person and you trust this person. And then, you know, maybe that person lets you down. But you, you know, you learn that that's part of life. It's yes. not a, mm -hmm. anything you need to escape from. It's not anything that you need to, you know, to go to bed for days over. It's part of mm -hmm. living this life. And that's what Deanna, one of the things she taught me was, was how to mm -hmm. see discouragement and, uh, and, mm -hmm. and just get back up every time. Uh, she could just see the silver lining. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that that's, the lens through which she was now seeing, you know, mm. uh, her grace filled lens or her gratitude lens or whatever, but she, she really, and coming from addiction, you know, I knew that that was part of her story where you would want to numb a lot of that mm -hmm. and just refused to do. She, you know, mm. I don't, it's, 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 it's not sharing in Christ's sufferings, but in a way it is where mm -hmm. you, you experience rejection like right. he did. And mm -hmm. so in a way, if you can frame it in that, that, oh, this is part of, of life and this is what Jesus experienced too. So he knows what it feels mm -hmm. like. So I'm going to push through. I'm going to be strong and courageous because you're right. Relationship pain is, is a deep pain. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. so I was just been so proud of her that way. Mm -hmm. Bring her on. Yeah. 
Yeah, you got to teach us all that, Dan. <laughs> like, I, I am not a person who like get like with especially with relational pain like that. I don't get right back up. Like I'm a build a wall. Like, well, not gonna do that again. Like, mm-hmm. no, thank you. And I think I'm not the only one <laughs> who yeah. does that. And I just get on my knees and I would pray like, all right, Lord, can I try that again? Um, can, you know, can you show me how to be a good friend? Um, could I have another chance? I think I could do it better. And I was just telling somebody the other day, you know, I just, I'm so grateful in the last couple of years, I just got to a place where I just stopped apologizing and not because like I'm prideful or anything about like, like I, I don't purposely like hurt people and be like, I'm, I'm not apologizing to you, but more so like mistakes that I make, like if I say that the wrong thing, or I had an awkward moment, you know, I used to go back and just like apologize for what they might be thinking. I just don't do that anymore. And it's been so free because it's like, if people want to get to know me, they're going to see the things that I say through the lens of my entire heart. And because Mm -hmm. I have people in my life who allowed me to be myself, like who allowed me to say just off the cuff things that were completely insulting. um, But it was, it was the truth. And I didn't know how to say it grace filled yet. Um, They knew my heart behind it until Mm -hmm. I could like learn to, to taper that and stuff. Um, But, you know, having been, having been ghosted uh, multiple times, I just, you know, I'm finally at a place in my life where I've learned not to force myself on people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm willing to make amends. I'm willing to hear. I'm willing to try to be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I can't do all the things maybe that somebody, like, I can't be a one-stop shop um, for, like, one friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm constantly letting them down, like, there is a point where maybe that's them and that's not me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe the expectation of our relationship is too high compared to the Mm -hmm. season that I'm in. Um, but, um, between having been ghosted so many times I've had, um, like leaders in ministry tell me that I don't trust women because of my relationship with my mom. And I had to really weigh that with the truth. And I'm like, well, actually, like I've got at least a handful, at least five solid women who I've entrusted to tell me the truth who all um, walk with me and there's a certain amount of mutuality in those relationships. And so it's not that I don't trust women. It's just that I don't surround myself with lying and gossiping. And it's not, it's not that I don't want to like be friends. Like everybody's got something going on that, you know, but that, that wasn't safe for me. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and some people didn't even see that that's what they were doing. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna love from a distance, but it looked like I was untrusting and it was like, yeah, maybe I don't have to be friends with everybody, but I'm a pretty inclusive person. And the cool thing about my life is I, I introduce my friends to each other and they all become best friends. Somehow I get weeded out all the time, but (laughs) we should talk talk about that. That happens to me all the time, Anna, all the time, all the time, Debbie. No, that's so funny. I I don't think I've ever met. But I'm grateful. I'm so happy. I'm not the outbound friends. Um, but <laughs> like, like, no, it's, so awesome. I, it's like working yourself out of a job or something. You know, like <laughs> you know, like I still kind of like my job a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's not like hanging out with me every once in a while. No, but like, that's, thank that's you awesome. for sharing that though. Like, because I. Yeah, I think that is something just the more I talk to people um, about their friendships, relationships, like these just are really real life, everyday things. Everyone's trying to 
figure it out and find their place and find their people. And I think one of the things that like the Lord has been speaking to me lately as well as that. And when you mentioned that you're like, I don't, I'm not going to like chase people. Like I'm not going to force myself in people's life. And I'm like, it's, I'm still a little rattled by it. Honestly, I haven't fully unpacked this, but he basically was like, you're not, you're not a beggar. Like you're yeah. a child. Like you sit at the table, you don't eat the scraps off the floor. Right. Like what if if you're if your father it's like you're like being it's like being a toddler and like crawling around the chairs of the table like eating the crumbs while off the floor mm -hmm. like a starving person because you're so hungry like you'll eat anything but your parent or your father is like preparing a feast for you and you have a seat at the table and you're literally like exhausting yourself running after crumbs and you're just like yeah, you're like you don't beg like you're not a beggar like so if you're not a beggar then like act like a child <laughs> like, yeah. not like a beggar it doesn't mean you don't ask things i mean you don't get disappointed it doesn't mean like all of those things still happen but the mindset shift right yeah. is so different when you're like walking towards people in in relationship and being like yeah you know what like i might get misunderstood in this scenario as being yeah. not trusting or you know but it's like oh my gosh at some point <laughs> you know you you just you can't be you you can't be everything to everybody and everybody can't be everything to you right and that's the yeah there's we can exhaust ourselves trying to just have like relationships just are hard they just are and they just yeah. do take work that just well, is I think her, and the key that i think she said a minute ago was you know she has i think you said five you mm -hmm. know that and the same in my life you know i have five that I know by now I can trust, you know, mm -hmm. and then I have acquaintances yeah. and maybe, maybe they'll enter into that. You know, it's not clickish or anything. It's just, no. you know, the way I feel like God caused us to do life, you know, was to have those, you know, Jesus had, you know, the 12 and then he had the three. Yeah. You know? And so he taught us that pattern and you don't have to have a hundred, you know, he had yeah. 12. So, you know, if, if you've only got two, then, you know, pray for those others, you know, to come and pray for discernment that you would know whether they're going to be in your inner circle or if they're going to just be acquaintances, mm -hmm. you know, because. And stop trying to turn people into something yeah. that they're not in your life, because that is the subject of a lot of pain and frustration. And when you when you are expecting someone to be yeah either in that inner circle that's not their that's not what they're there for and they can't it's not their fault that's just not that's not their role to play in your life and you're trying to fit them into yeah. that and that just isn't it's like the same thing of like if you're in like a, a mentor mentee relationship like if you're trying to be the savior you're trying to fit that person into your life as the savior of your life they can't it's not there's going to be friction because it's too much for them they can't they yeah. can't do it like you're putting the wrong thing like you're putting them in the wrong place right. and we have to do it in all of our relationships you're putting them in the place where jesus should be essentially in that scenario right but we do that i think in various ways in our relationships of like putting yeah putting people in spaces where they actually shouldn't be in our lives they're expecting them to do things that they can't do and then we're just frustrated if i'm really consistently frustrated in this scenario probably i have them in the wrong spot and that goes back to our discernment and wisdom, you know, peace. Yeah. Again, just continue to pray for discernment and wisdom over all, all of your relationships, because you're right. It does cause, it can cause, you know, a lot of uh, friction and just 
things that we don't need. So if they're if we mm -hmm. see them through a different lens and if we're processing it all in a different way, then you know it won't it won't get to us the way it used to. Instead of beating yourself up for like 12 days, just take them out of that space. Like yeah, yeah. On. it doesn't have to be like to be like just be gentle with yourself. Like you made a mistake. It's not it's okay. Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have grace. Like sometimes we can have a lot of grace for other people and not for ourselves, right? Yeah. And and then I, I again like kind of coming back to this like walking alongside people in our lives. Like we can't do that well if we're getting really hung up on some of that stuff and not wanting to try again and not wanting to, you know, if every time something goes a little sideways in a relationship, it puts us out of the game for six months to a year. How's that going to work when, you right. know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I heard um, early on that you're the, you're the average of your five closest friends. And so I've got to say, I was very, I, I aimed high you know, in recovery, we learned, you know, um, to surround yourself with people like who have something that you want. And, and I'm not talking about their cars or their money. I'm talking about like their character and the joy and the peace. And so when I found those people, like I, I don't let go. I, I want, I want people to call me up. Like, I'm so grateful. I'm in a mom's group. Right. And, um, and they, you know, they're not sitting there, you know, they're not sitting around complaining about everyday mom's life. You know, they're like, Hey, I actually want more than that. Um, mm. like, yes, this is like some of these aspects are hard and, and, and it's good to relate, but we're like, we actually want to choose more about like the way, what we use our words on our speech, our attitudes and stuff like that. And I'm so grateful to be surrounded with people who continue to call us up because, you know, one of the things that I was called out on, um, when I, you know, when I lost a friend is like, you know, she said, I, you know, I'm, I don't want to be fake. I'm not going to be fake. And I was like, it's not fake to choose to go against our flesh and choose mm -hmm. kindness and not insult other people. Like that's not mm -hmm. fake. And yeah. so, um, I understand what she was saying. And I, I know the, the wounds that, that she had before, um, and stuff and, and why that was, was hurtful. But like, mm -hmm. for me, I, I want to surround myself with people who are going to call me up, who's going to help me to yeah. become better, to aim for more and not just settle for constant complaining and comparing and all of that stuff. I don't want that in my life. It's no good for me. Yeah. Uh, recovery, like there's already this like uh, propensity to um, to have like this chronic malcontent. I want contentment. And, um, and so I'm surrounding myself with people who are content and mm -hmm. who continue to see the silver linings in all circumstances. It's not that life's not hard. It's not that we can't, you know, have a cry fest or, you know, mm -hmm. say what's really on our minds every once in a while, yeah. but we don't stay there. That's the yeah. 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 And I think that's really like, it's really just, we really need to stop trying to do our lives in, in isolation just in general across the board right of thinking that we can not need help not ask for help not you know figure out we'll figure it out on, on our own we'll be self-sufficient it's like we were never actually asked to be self-sufficient that we made that the goal that's not yeah you know that's think, not the goal i think in one of the books i i had um wrote about you know, in, in seminary, we were learning about missions and, and poverty and stuff like that. And it said that somebody, um, you know, that somebody's matured past poverty when they have gone from 
being needy for everyone to not needing anyone. I don't, I don't need anybody um, to being actually interdependent, like part of this interdependent system. And that just to me has been a huge sign of emotional and spiritual maturity. When I went from being codependent with everybody to I'm so independent, I don't need anybody in my life to what if we kind of just did this thing together? <laughs> yeah, what if I like need you sometimes yeah. and sometimes I'm okay, like, you know? <laughs> and, you know? And that felt like true health and maturity for me. Yeah, and I think that um, kind of going back to integrated that you wrote and in the, um, I think it was in the foreword, uh, Ked Frank, I believe, is he the one that founded? The founder, yes, I have that question. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, he said, I have observed that one of the most fragile times for residents is the transition to independent living and working every day. The mentors and community that surrounded Deanna as she continued to heal offered critical and much needed support. And then this line, he said, there are no shortcuts on this journey and none of us will succeed in isolation. Right. That's not yeah. just the resident coming out and transitioning, but that's all of us. None of us will succeed in isolation. And I love to just, I mean, we kind of did talk a little bit about it right now, but like, why does that, why is that so important? And why does that matter so much? Even, especially for you, Deanna, why does it matter so much to be befriended and not just seen as a resident or a survivor, right? Yeah. Or a victim. Yeah, exactly. Because that's just one part of my story. Um, and, and I love I love the movements out there, like survivor-led, survivor-informed, survivor. And I, I was like, you know, I was just at the Refuge Texas house and um, seeing all the amazing things they're doing out in Texas. Um, and I was like, hey, you know what? Like, we don't need to be reminded of what we've survived all the time. <laughs> um, and so, you know, just talking with them about, you know, like social enterprises. And I've talked to you about this. Like, we don't need to advertise that that's what we're doing. We don't need to be reminded that that's who's working there. That's where we've come from. Like, what if we just build healthy, successful businesses and just happen to employ people who are healing? Mm. And we just know that and don't tell anybody that and let the business be successful and that run and, and all of that stuff. Um, um, but yeah, I'll just never forget, like, you know, with Chris and Debbie and my friend Julie, my first ever BSF leader, like when they started asking me what I thought about life or about scriptures and stuff like that, it's just all of a sudden I was like elevated into this new plane of existence that was like very dignifying and empowering. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, it wasn't this take, take, take relationship anymore. It was like, oh, maybe I actually have something to offer. And that's mm -hmm. a really healing experience. And that's how I learned to become friends. Um, you know, like people that like I mentor or that have mentored me, like they become friends. Um, and mm -hmm. it's not that I don't still seek wisdom. It's just, um, it's just, it's a really cool place to be. It was really important for my healing um, to, you know, in, in AA, they say like, we are egomaniacs with an inferiority complex. And so, um, <laughs> this so idea, of, you know, in recovery, like you have someone who's sponsoring you and you have someone you're sponsoring and, and it keeps you in the middle of, of God's activity. Right. And mm -hmm. in, in biblical times, like, you know, and, and Paul, Paul had, um, pa Paul had like a Timothy and there was someone I don't know. There was like three of them. I forgot how it was. Like I also forget, but I know. It. <laughs> everybody needs a Paul, right? Um, yeah. And so like, like Ked, the founder of the ministry is actually, um, Ked and, and Debbie's husband are both people who speak into my husband's life. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he he's raised on a farm, good values, stuff like that. He's he very introverted. He still doesn't do life alone. Yeah. He may not be out there in like 17 social groups like I am, but um, but he <laughs> has a couple people, yeah. you know, who are continuing to be along beside him in his journey and in parenting mm-hmm. and fatherhood uh that's the same thing but and marriage and <laughs> all of that so like everybody needs that everybody needs a paul everybody needs a timothy and you just get to stay in the middle of god's work and and you're not feeling super insecure and you're not feeling like you're above everyone either i think it keeps everybody mm-hmm. right sized when you're in community yeah were you going to say something about that debbie i don't want to cut you off oh, before I move on to any thoughts. So I just, I just cheerlead all of that for her because uh, she knows how important community is. And so she's just pushed through all of the things that we all have to push through when it comes to community, you know, as far as disappointments or, or uh, personalities and all the things she's just, she's just stuck right there. And now she's just so looked up to in, mm-hmm. in our community, you know, we all, ask her questions about this and that she's the bsf leader with a lot of young moms and they just look up to her so much because this is her season now she's a different person than she was and you know so she she can she can offer community in in such a beautiful way So, yes. And part of the reason why most of us got to where we are at is because we didn't have healthy community. And so you'll accept Can we anything. talk about that. <laughs> so like when you're starving for nutrients, you'll eat all kinds of junk, right? And it's like your body's actually craving something else. Your soul is craving something else, you know, um, when you're starved for touch. You know, I read one time, I think it was in a boundaries book where it's like this guy um you know uh loses somebody goes to funeral has sex with somebody like that night and really all he needed was a hug you know people are so touch deprived they're community deprived and and so then like somebody pays a little bit of attention to you and and bam 10 days later they're your pimp and it's like what just happened it's like when you don't have that healthy community filling those those needs um you end up just accepting whoever will come into your life and that's, I mean, really why community just in general is it's both prevention and, you know, it, it kind of, I think it rounds everything out where we, if we can create, yeah, create these kinds of communities where, where, yeah, people aren't starving for attention because they're getting it. They're not starved for touch because they're getting hugged all the time by the people that, you know, what, how do we create that? And then, you know, it's also the same space where if you haven't had that, you get to come in and, and be part of that and learn that also in that space. And I do kind of, um, I want to talk about that a little bit because I, anytime, like probably almost anyone, if, if you go back and listen to any of our episodes, it comes up almost every single time the idea of community and being in each other's space and why that's so important, like, well, for everyone, but like, because we talk to a lot of survivors and people running organizations, working with survivors, that it's particularly like integral to learning how to walk out your freedom, right? What, what does that look like? And how it's one thing to have, have the safe home, which is great and everything Mm -hmm. lot of really fantastic things happen there but there tends to be this like I don't know kind of a gap (laughs) where we're missing where when you leave that and then you're supposed to 
all of a sudden be thriving with like a full-time job and paying all the bills and having all, and and you're kind of on your on your own right which is why having this mentorship where you end up with family not like has so much to do with i don't even really want to use the word success but to where you have grown into the person that you are now and living very much in your freedom right yeah. um is in in part due to that and i'm just like how do we it's great to keep talking about how important that is but like how do we actually do it right yeah. like what does that look like to have um communities that are mutually beneficial again where you're not just a paul you're also a timothy and even professionally like you like i love that you mentioned the business thing because that's something we are wrestling with hugely right now of how do we start like how do we run this company how do we start like how do we do this in mm -hmm. a way where we are like yes like transparent about what's happening and where people's money is going but also not telling people anything you know like how do we actually do it so mm -hmm. what i have learned so far in my three years of parenting um <laughs> is that like i get to cultivate a community around my children i get to cultivate that and then and then it's up to them to actually take hold of that but the thing is is like they don't just rely on me right like they have a couple teachers in their life they have other you know a grammy and a nana like other people we've adopted in our spiritual family they have their church volunteers who pour into them and i think that's so important like that stuff that we have to be doing inside the home is helping women to get connected. So when I was at Refuge, I became a leader in Celebrate Recovery. I was working guest experiences at my church and I was exploring different um, ways of being connected in my community outside of Refuge while I was still there. And so that allowed me to naturally transition into a place where I have mentors, mm -hmm. I have friends in recovery, I have an established home group, I have a sponsor, I have places where I'm serving, and now I have this job. And so, um, you know, the, the, the older you get, you kind of start to hone some of that in and figure out like where your sweet spots are. Um, but that allowed me, I knew that Refuge had to spend their time pouring into the next eight women who are going to come into the home, mm -hmm. which was going to leave me, you know, kind of outside again. And so when we're raising children, like, like, I think part of our job is to help them come, like, cultivate a community outside of ourselves, um, yeah. because I can't be the only person in my child's life. I can't mm -hmm. be the only voice. I don't have all the gifts. I don't have all of God's image. Yeah. And so I need to surround them with people who have different gifts and skill sets than I do. I also get to be that for my friends' kids. And so when they turn 18, I get to be a voice in their life, you know, um, as I would want my friends to be in my children's life mm -hmm. because they're not always going to listen to me, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think with Refuge, as you graduate, it's kind of like sending your kid off to college. Like, you're always welcome <laughs> back. Like we'll, like, we'll always be here for you. We'll be, we'll be celebrating you at your weddings and your graduations, but you're going to build your own life now. And yeah. so I think we just do it like any healthy parent would do it. Yeah, sometimes, you know, we put that on the refuge or whatever uh, to, you know, have all of this family, mm -hmm. you know, ready for them when they graduate. And hopefully some of that is happening. But really, we need to be fanning into flame some of the for the girls so that they can go to whether it's their church or to their job and they can like at church that they can volunteer with this team 
and this team becomes part of their family. You know, yeah. they can they can uh, go on this mission trip, and this you know mission trip becomes part of their family. It and if something doesn't work, if they have a bad experience, I mean, I say this over and over until I'm blue in my in my face. You just go back. <laughs> you know, you had a bad experience. You know, just don't give up on the whole It'll idea. Cancel everything. Yeah. yeah, and then. And then just, you know, whatever's, I mean, most of the churches that I've been involved in, you know, they have just so many opportunities to be involved, you know, not just in a small group, but in a serving group. And so there's so many different opportunities. And Deanna just, she just took advantage of every one and made up some. (laughs) (laughs) And she wouldn't let disappointment, you know, you know, she wouldn't give up. And so that's 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 what i would just cheerlead for the for the girls and say just come on just get into life you know there is going to be disappointment with you Mm -hmm. know some friendships and some groups but just keep going and build it and you you know have your inner circle and have your you know your outer circle and Mm -hmm. then have your acquaintances but it's all out there you know waiting for you i just believe that with all my heart And so if you, if you can, if we can set each other up to have the tools to have yes, good, healthy relationships, right, then you can build those and find them in any space that you walk into, right, which yes. is, and, yes. and so then from, you know, from the other side, but then it's like you said, then the focus then for those of us in our lives is build your, whether it's your family or your business or your church or your community group, whatever it is, build it like a healthy family where you invite people in and have them come in and treat each other like family and speak into each other's lives and and in have create spaces to invite people into. Yeah. Because again, you can't offer somebody something you don't already have. So it's yes. like that at its very base core. What I'm hearing is, you know, <laughs> build that around like Make sure you take, have that take, going on take, for yourself. Yeah, take personal responsibility for mm-hmm. it. You know, hopefully the church will come along and maybe even, mm-hmm. you know, the refuge or wherever you're will come along and, and help or plant seeds, you know. But mm-hmm. but if you can take personal responsibility for that piece of your life, that's what's going to work the best. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll get, you'll you know, as you're building your family, you'll get a dysfunctional cousin or two. Um, <laughs> sometimes you'll find that you are the dysfunctional cousin. <laughs> So just hang in there. <laughs> Keep going back. But it's just it's also just another opportunity to learn how to be with people and in right. relationship person among with person, because... employee among employees. Yes. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Because it's not like it's not like not, it's not like there's only certain groups of people who have trauma or who have difficult family relationships or like we all bring things to the table and none of us are, you know, a walk in the park to be around all the time, right? Like it's no. it's not fair to assume that, you know, well, if we just didn't have this dysfunctional person in the group, everything would run just fine. Well, it would still have you or still have right. me. So like, it wouldn't be, you know, like, because we're often so blind to kind of what our own things are yeah. that we bring that until you get like, married, we're, <laughs> or you live, or you live in the same house like, as other people. I, I was like, I must have appeared much nicer than I than I oh. was. And I got married. I was like, ooh, 
You think <laughs> you're like a lovely it. individual yeah. and then no. you live in the same house as another person for like five <laughs> minutes and you're like, wow, who yeah. am I? Like, I know. <laughs> yes. you gotta get in a relationship close enough with people that you become a mirror right like really we just become mirrors for each other and it shows us our yeah. own selves right and yeah my of... husband my husband wrote me a letter like before we got married and he's like you know we all need that one person to put the other nail in you know because like we can only do one nail in the cross i'm like oh my goodness can we come up with something more romantic like, yeah surely, you're like that's surely our relationship is more than just crucifying one another <laughs> um <laughs> like, i understand the concept yeah. like, we... also we're getting married soon how about just a nice run-of-the-mill love letter <laughs> <laughs> like, but seven years in still still nailing each other uh, <laughs> But have but have a super fun time going to the grocery store. Still my best friend. So yeah, so that means <laughs> it's gotta be working. Something's working. I had it, and it's funny because you mentioned it right at the very beginning. I think I forget which one of you said it, but I think it was you, Debbie, and you said that like we can't save the world, but we can savor the world. And I read that line. It's somewhere in one of the books. I don't remember which one, but I was like, yeah, like that's the thing because I think and because you know, a lot of the people who are going to listen to this are people who want to help. Like they mm -hmm. have good intentions. They want to come alongside people. They want to, but it can so quickly for all of us become a savior complex. Mm -hmm. um, and so just before we get to our very last question, that's very unrelated and will, you know, take us on a sharp left turn. But um, before we get to that, it's just, what does that, yeah, what does that look like to save the world instead of save it? And, and how would you encourage um maybe somebody who's listening who feels a little burnt out from trying to save the world yeah <laughs> and it has not worked because it doesn't work <laughs> yeah um yeah i would say that if they've come to that point where they see that they can't save the world that that's that's a or their person or whoever mm -hmm. you know that that's a good place to be hmm. you know weakness is um you know it's our greatest asset because it keeps us dependent on him. And mm -hmm. uh, the weakness isn't a bad thing. It's, you know, we're really strong when we can admit our weakness. So, you know, I, you know, I talked about going and teaching at the refuge. I would just encourage people, like one of my favorite things to do at the refuge and my sister-in-law and I transitioned from the teaching piece to going and fixing dinner once a week. Hmm. And uh, and just that there's something about the table, and just, yeah, and, and just and I think every person listening to this can, you know, maybe some that don't cook or whatever don't, you know, but we just mainly did spaghetti and all the things that were easy to do to a big, mm -hmm. big group. But there's just something about showing up and eating around the table and sharing around the table mm -hmm. that is just so precious and uh and just enjoying the feast you know mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful picture and uh that's not hard to do you know <laughs> you you just show up and you just bring food and you just love <laughs> or mm -hmm. you invite them to your home and you cook a meal and you love mm -hmm. there was you know, at Thanksgiving, several years in a row, we would open our home for the for Thanksgiving feast, you know, so mm -hmm. 
we could just serve them and we'd get our friends to come and bring dishes, you know, and that, I think that's what our volunteers, sometimes they make it too hard. Right. You know? mm. Really, it's just, it's just family and, and savoring the light that, that of Jesus inside of you, you know, mm. and uh, just letting him shine. It, it's as easy or hard as that, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to show up and be a light that shines in the darkness. And, um, and you don't, you don't have to open the Bible. You just have to show his love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that's really, you know, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of the most healing aspects for most of um, most of us who went through the program was being invited into people's homes because um, mm-hmm. it really comes down to just enjoying one another. And I think when you when you see yourself in right perspective to God, and we're not sitting here, you know, calling out each other's brand of sin, you can simply <laughs> just enjoy each other. Because mm-hmm. you know, I, I I talked about this with um, with a friend a while ago. You know, if if I had like a healthy upbringing, I wonder what my life would have looked like. And she's like, I wonder what your brand of sin would have been. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, I have dinners and like people never know who's going to come to my dinner. I don't put place cards of what they're struggling with. You know, you're not going to you're not going to always know, you know, like what their sin is or, you know, or, you know what they're doing for a living, um, what orientation they are, what, Mm -hmm. you know, how they identify, like, like people, I, like my role is just to create space, Mm -hmm. create space and let people close enough to me to see the light of Jesus, whether they ever choose to follow Mm -hmm. Jesus or not, like that's not dependent on me. My faith um, requires me to create space the same way that space was created for me to simply enjoy people and see people. Mm-hmm. People know when they're a project. People know when they're yeah. trying to be sold something. Um, the, the Bible reveals a person and that person lives inside of me through a spirit. And the only way people are going to encounter that spirit is if I let people close enough mm-hmm. for long enough that they can actually experience him. And then they can make an authentic informed choice of who the scriptures mm-hmm. are pointing to. But oh. it's never going to be about like our brand of sin and calling out each other's brand of sin. Like, uh, like I don't see things differently. Everybody's, you know, all freaked out about culture and like what's going on in culture. And I'm like, I like God never asked us to be removed from culture. He's going to mm-hmm. he, he asked that we would be protected from the evil one in the world mm. and so how do i move close enough to people that they can see and grasp the only love that will ever make us truly free just we can probably just stop right there and <laughs> mic drop and like i literally like i i get very emotional anytime the table is brought up and so it's so fascinating to me that you brought up that the lord has been speaking to me about that for years many years and it is just like i am i'm just so convinced that it's something we really need to get back to prioritizing and i think that when whenever i have been burnt out what it comes down to is usually i have overcomplicated things and i have made things you know more about 
me and what I need to do. And like, this is my responsibility. I've taken responsibility that's not mine. I have put things on myself that Jesus was like, I didn't ask you to carry that. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, did did Jesus actually ask you to do the things you're doing or did you put that on yourself, right? right? And, and and like, the like you're right, the table is just like, anyone can do it because it's not about what's on the table. It doesn't, it's not about the fancy, it's not a show. Like yeah. we've taken hospitality right. and turned it into a performance. Yeah. And it's really just, it's a heart thing of like, yeah. You're welcome here and you don't have to agree with me to sit next to me. And like, yeah. what does it look like to, to hold space for each other? And, and like the table is just, is a really like the great equalizer. No one, when you're sitting at a table, no one's looking down on anyone. You're looking people dead in the eyes. Yes. And it's now, really hard. Good cloth napkins though. <laughs> and the, yeah, that's With paper plates. <laughs> yeah. Archers. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes, hundred percent. I yeah, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> but it's like you don't even have to have like right. Like you can sit on the floor. Like you can sit like the tables and have, oh, like yeah. it can be a coffee table. It can be, you know, it's it's the dorm room. Twenty five of us would sit in a chair in a circle in our dorm yeah. room, and they were just happy to be fed and together. Right. And that's how I got my husband. So and she. Then she would do this at, at seminary. She would open her dorm yeah. room once a oh, week, twice to, a week, twice a week to a meal. Mm -hmm. And uh, she would fix the meal. And then however many would come 20 or 25. And uh, right. she would, it, that's what the table meant to her. You yeah. know, that's what family. Because I had their example. Cause every Sunday they would do Sunday dinner. Everybody would come over. They'd yeah. hold hands. They'd pray together um you didn't know always like who was going to be at sunday dinner and so <laughs> when i went to school and saw that everybody was away from their families i was like well i'm the resident here like let's just <laughs> let's just do yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah and i think like yeah it really can be like it really can be as simple but also i think that's probably one of the most powerful things that we can do for each other like that's it's again, it's it's something that it's one of the only things I'm like, there's no way to get around that. Like that's that's mutually beneficial no matter which way you slice that. Yes. Like everybody has to eat. Right. <laughs> everybody, yeah. you know, like it, it's human right. <laughs> yeah. And thank goodness. Yeah. I love to eat. Look at the food. And it's but yeah, it just who like can we can we open up our, our tables to people? And I think something that, that the Lord like impressed on me quite a bit was just that like, Father, there are people who will never set foot in a church, but they will sit at a table. Um, and so, you know, it's like, so how do we do that? I don't know. Like yeah. open your, open your doors, you know, open your home, open your table, invite. And that, and this is like always a challenge for me too, of like, don't just, it's like that, the, the story of the Bible where it's like, when you make a party, don't just invite your friends right. and your family invite, you know, and that it takes guts, like yeah. to put a bunch of people at a table. You're like, I don't know, like war could break out. Like, I don't know what's going to happen at this table. Like not everyone's ready to sit at the table with the people that aren't like them. And, you know, it's like, you don't know yeah, what's going to happen, no, but you don't know. Not everybody is ready. No. You don't know what's going to happen. And guess what? Like, that's what I have to tell myself. I'm like, it's actually not your, that's not yours to control right. or decide what happens. And there's, that's scary as heck. But it's also very freeing because it takes the load off of me and it's like, oh, yeah, that's not mine. Like, 
I just have to cook the chicken <laughs> or yeah. make them make the pasta, you know, and Absolutely. and invite and just be like, hey, do you want to come? And like you said, being letting people close enough. And I think that's where like we really have to do our own heart work as yeah. well yeah. to be willing to let people in close enough to actually see like how are they going to see Jesus when we hold them yeah at arm's length yeah um man I can't I literally I can't believe you brought up a table I'm a little rattled <laughs> <laughs> like I'm definitely going to go back to listen to that part of it again because it's, it's so beautiful and I and I think it's just a really like a hope I like to try to end these episodes in a hope-filled way because and this yeah. whole episode has felt very tangible but sometimes it can feel really heavy um for people listening as well and I never want to place something on someone that they then don't know what to do with that it again is something that crushes them instead of something that you know empowers them to go out and be like I can like I can do something I can it's like yeah you can have someone in your home for yeah. coffee absolutely. you can yes you can and like and that's and that's like very that's that can be hard and holy work as yeah. hard and holy, if not more than starting a big organization or running a business right. or any of these things, that is the real, like, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. Like I can run a business all day long, but if I can't, you know, sit at a table with people, then like, what am I doing? Right. What we can't create those spaces. Yeah. It's how we're showing God's love. You know, it, it, that's what it boils down to. We, you know, we can talk about rules and all that, but it's really when we're loving God, we're loving his people, all yeah. the different kinds of people that we invite to our table. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's really loving God, you know, yeah. not just loving the people, but loving God because it makes him so happy and yeah. it's so easy, you know, to open mm -hmm. up homes. If we, if we can just get the courage to do it once, you won't. <laughs> Stop, you know and what do they say yeah. it's um it's it's simple but it's not easy yeah and like the the verse that you brought up right at the beginning like i keep coming back to that mm -hmm. like he sets the lonely in families and right. it's like i don't know that i have talked to a single person even people who are well connected and have a lot of people around them who are not lonely yeah. everyone is lonely like we're all we're sitting in churches of hundreds of people and everybody feels alone yeah. It's like, what is going on? Right. And it's like, if he's going to set the lonely in families, we have to start building these families to right. set people in. Yeah. Right. Like, we're all like, we all want to be these isolated islands and nobody tells me what to do and I'll right. do everything myself. But then we're like chronically lonely. Mother Teresa and Deanna knows this is one of my favorite quotes. She says, The problem with the world is that we, um, what is it? The problem we draw our family circles too small. The problem with the world is that we draw our family circles too small. So yeah, yeah that how simple, yeah. but you know, it's just beautiful that something happens around the table yeah. and it's scriptural. Mm -hmm. uh, something happens around the table when you share a meal together mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's beautiful and it, it starts relationships it's mm -hmm. just building those relationships and loving one another you know like you said even if you don't agree with one another just yeah. loving each other yeah. yeah and we've got to learn how to do that and like how to do it well and yeah man that's just beautiful i like 
I'm going to ask the one last question at the end here that's not related, but I first just want to thank you both so much for sharing and Deanna for coming back again <laughs> and yeah, being willing to, yeah, kind of talk through and walk through some of that. I think I know like for me, this has been so good. <laughs> like it's always funny to me where I'm like, I set up these interviews and then I'll be in them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like the Lord just wanted me to do this for me. Like, I feel like if I didn't even post this, like, I feel like he might have been like, that's really nice. He went to all that works that I would hear this. <laughs> but I think, I think a lot of people are going to, because this is a conversation when people are starting to be aware that it's, it's more than just like, what does that mean to be free for everyone? Right. Not, you know, not just like we're, we're all enslaved um, to something in some way or have been at some point in our lives. And what does that look like to live in freedom? And how do we do that? And we have to do that in community. We have to do it around the table and we can't do it alone. Yes. None of us, nobody, there's no, there's no us and them at the table. Right. It doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work. And that's why we need it <laughs> so badly. But anyway, so is there anything, any last things you guys wanted to say before I go into just the final question, just if there's anything burning? <laughs> that I've missed. Thank you for having us. We we enjoy telling telling our story. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. You guys are so cute. <laughs> Your relationship is just goals, hundred percent. I just it's beautiful. I love it. Um so and Deanna, you already answered this on the last episode, but if it has changed, you can answer it again. But we always ask um yeah, no, it's like still tea. You have to listen. You don't have to listen to one. Yeah, time. go back and listen. All right. So we'll we'll get Debbie to to do this one. Um, so we always ask everyone because we're a coffee company, which feels unrelated in this moment. <laughs> um, if you could have if you're a coffee drinker or whatever beverage of choice you like to drink, what would you drink and where would you be drinking it? And is there someone you would sit down and have that coffee with if you could? Anyone, anywhere, anytime. Anyone, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want this to sound cheesy or anything, but mm -hmm. uh, we just moved back to Kentucky after being in California and Chicago and Vegas, and uh, Kentucky is our home, and um, not a real home, but uh, the closest we can get right now. But anyway, we've moved into a home, and my husband and I were sitting out on the deck the other night and he we both just said uh we were drinking coffee that would be mm -hmm. our beverage of choice <laughs> and um and we just talked about uh being as close to home as we are going to get this side of earth you know we know mm -hmm. heaven our our real home and uh, the older we get the more we know that <laughs> and uh but it was just a really quiet, surreal. He's, he's my best friend. Um, and I would sit, I would choose him to sit on the deck and, and we just reminisced about, you know, the past and where we've been and where God's taken us and the good times and bad times and how God brought us back this way. So mm. yeah, that, that, that relationship, um, has just been uh, a, a gift and I'm I thank God for him every day so he's he's the one that uh, <laughs> you know he preaches but he he walks his talk so mm. uh, and 
you know, Deanna was able to, to, because he, you know, was open and knew that this is the way of Jesus, you know, she was able to come and stay with us in the apartment upstairs for a couple of years. So, wow. yeah, he's, uh, he's in, he's, He's a keeper. He's a keeper. Oh, that sounds like that's not cheesy at all. <laughs> that's more relationship <laughs> goals right there. And I can tell you where Debbie's cup of coffee would be. Oh, yeah. It would be housed in the microwave. Oh, because oh. Debbie doesn't actually drink her coffee. She sets it in the microwave to be warmed up and leaves it there. So you can tell that living upstairs, she heard that beep, beep, beep a lot. <laughs> She's like, oh, Debbie's for Debbie's bringing in her coffee, coffee again. I wonder if she'll actually drink it this Debbie's time. Debbie's goal is to drink her coffee one day. <laughs> Well, this has been really awesome. I just, I appreciate you both so much. And yeah, I just, I love it. I'm really, really encouraged just by your relationship and your honesty and your vulnerability to, yeah, both of you opening up your lives like to each other and now to, to other people around you too. Like, I just think it's, we need it. We need both of you. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, it is safe to say that I am rattled by this episode. The theme of the table has been something that's been um, really on my heart for a lot of years. So the fact that they brought it up unprompted in this podcast is just confirmation that it matters so much. As always, thanks for listening. Um, reach out to us anytime. You can email us at wildgingercoffee at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram. Um, we always love hearing from you and what you're learning when you're listening to the episode. Until next time.